And I remember Jarrett saying to me, hey, do you remember like when we got married seven years ago and we stood in front of all of our friends and our family and, you know, all the songs were sung and we were, you know, saying our vows to each other. I don't remember the point and, and maybe I just forgot it. When I said to you, I take you, Jeannie, to be my life coach. And I was like, <laughs> what? Okay, let's do this. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Are you ready? I'm ready. Love or work. Is anyone listening? No, don't put that on the air. These two people are really, really funny. This one made me cry. World Series champion. Around the entire world. NBA All-Star. We hope you love this interview as much as we did. Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeff. And I am Andre. And this is a very special podcast. Why? Why? Well, because you had surgery yesterday. Yes, I had shoulder surgery everybody, but I'm good. You're on some drugs right now. I am on drugs right now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're not trying to make light. Well, you are, uh, (laughs) but you are. Realistically, you probably shouldn't be actively doing this right now. I'm just sitting with a mic, y'all. I'm good. we're doing it. You wanted to do this. Yes, because these are my most dearest, wonderful friends that I really didn't want to miss this conversation. Right. And you're really technically like not allowed to do the podcast without me. Right. I mean, that's our thing. Right. It's a together thing. Okay. So all that to say, we were a little nervous entering it, but you did a great job. You were nervous. I I feel great. I feel great. She's on top of the world right now, apparently. Okay, well, let's talk. So as soon as we're done doing this intro and outro, you're going to bed. Oh, okay. My nurse is putting me to bed. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But this is a really good interview. Great friends of ours, um, Jeannie and Jarrett Stevens. Yes. So they are both co-pastors of Soul City Church in Chicago. First of all, let's just say co-pastoring, they're like... Co-equals, let's say that first. And I mean, have you heard of a husband and wife duo, like completely co-pastoring a church? I haven't. So I feel like they have such wisdom that we're going to learn about working together. Totally. Um, And and, uh, Jarrett has a new book coming out too, right? Yeah, it's called Praying Through, Overcoming the Obstacles That Keep Us from God by Jarrett Stevens. And you can pre-order it right now on Amazon, and it will be out in January. It comes out this January. So we're excited for him. A few things to be listening for. Um, at, they have so many practical nuggets, real-life situation. I mean, thinking about... We got so many notes. Starting a church together. That's a lot of work. And they went from one city to a new city. They were both all in trying to figure out how to lead this community. Um, and so they've had some real hard moments, and they shared some of those with us of turning point, points that they had. But three things to be listening for. Number one, the clean agreement. Yes, just let it go. We need to just let them share it. Number two, they talk about finding or being a mentor couple. They do that in their community a lot, and they've had a mentor couple. And the third was a moment that they talked about uh, where Jared told Jeannie, that he didn't commit in his vows to have a life coach. Well, he just said, I don't need a life coach. I don't need I a, need a wife. I need a wife. Dang. Wow, what a moment, right? <laughs> what would you say if I said if if I said that to you? Uh, well, chances are you'd probably say it to me. 
I would say that to you because you're the life coach person you know, in I, our relationship. Totally, you I, are that per- You and Jeannie are like the male, female version of the same person. Genius. And it is crazy awesome. when we hang out. I just see the woman version of Jeff and it's just insane. Yeah, you're probably attracted, right? Because this is like Jeannie. A- I definitely am attracted to Jeannie. <laughs> Actually, it was, it was a very interesting uh, time. Jeannie we were with is them. like my woman crush. We were with them for a weekend a couple months ago, and it was so weird to see things she was doing, like leading the group we were with. And I was thinking, I thought to myself, I wonder if I should do this. Like. But ten then seconds just previously, did, yeah. and she, I was like, "Whoa!" Like her and I think exactly the same you on do, so many fronts. You do, and I was just standing back watching this all go down, thinking, "Oh my god!" It was. I found my woman. <laughs> That's so weird. <laughs> uh, let's get right to it though, because you're gonna love this interview with Jeannie and Jarrett Stevens. We met in Chicago, so I grew up in California, in the Bay Area. And I met Jeannie when I was visiting Chicago for a week. I was checking out a school that I was interested in going to and met her the first day. And she was friend of a friend of mine that I was there to visit. In fact, she was just starting to date a guy that I'd grown up with. So he was talking to her on the phone. And then I would end up in his dorm talking to her longer than he did. And we ended up hanging out that week and had kind of one of those you know, like 80s John Hughes montage moments where we ended up having a Saturday together right the day before I left from that trip. And we did everything you could do in Chicago. Like we we did all the things and had so much fun. And I knew this whole day, like, oh my gosh, I think I'm really falling in love with this girl that I just met five days ago. And so um, I wrote you, I wrote Jeannie a letter. It was like an epic it was awesome. letter. It was oh, wait, wait, three wait, 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 pages. No, 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 this is Like fun. paper. Paper, paper letter, letter. Yeah. Yes. yellow pad. But, yellow pad this paper. Is fun. That Saturday night, so we spent that whole day together, and she already had a date scheduled that night with my friend. Oh, two and days. Said, can we bring? Can we bring Jared along? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's baller. That's a bold Jeannie. move. Hey, listen, I'm gonna just say that the other guy did not make it clear that it was a date. Yeah. Uh, he did not distinguish that this- when we were hanging out that it was actually a date but were you and Jarrett hanging out or was that distinguished as a date I would say yeah Yeah, so I wrote her this I wrote her this thing and we don't need to spend a ton of time on this but it's it's a fun story I wrote her this thank you letter say hey thanks for showing me around Chicago but it ended up being a three-page letter of almost like by today's standards stalker level like (laughs) you know you I've never met anyone like you I'm so fascinated by you I want to get to know you more and I mean I laid it all out on the table and then left it for and I got the plane and went back to California but left it up to me if I was interested I had to reach out well, so he put, I, already, he put, I did I reached out first by writing true the true but the only problem was and I said this I was very clear in the letter that I had a girlfriend back home that I'd been dating for three years at that point what Yep. yep. Plot twist right here. <laughs> oh my so god. I had some uh I had some loose ends to tie up back home. <laughs> so this just a few. So this is terrible. What a terrible, terrible way to start this episode. I broke up with that girl four days later, wait for it, on her birthday. Oh, oh no. Jared. I know. I've lost all moral authority. You guys may not want to keep interviewing us. Happy birthday. <laughs> Yeah, that love did not work. So, um, yeah. So then, and then it just began a long distance relationship for us. 
you know, pre-internet, pre-affordable stuff. Hang on, I see what phone. you did there. That you load did not there? work. Like that was good. That was good. Yeah. So we wrote letters and did phone calls and back when long distance was a thing and did I trips. Wrote letters. You wrote letters. I read your letters. <laughs> I, wrote one le- I wrote the letter that started it all. Yeah, he wrote one. Okay. So yeah, so we dated long distance for about a year and a half and then it ended up, you know, here in Chicago and engaged for a year. So um, yeah, that was, that was kind of how it all started. But it was very... It was, I think what was so good for us was in those days with just phone calls for the majority of our relationship, we learned how to communicate with each other yeah. without knowing that's what we were doing because that's all we had was just communication with each other. Yeah. And when you think about all of the different components of a relationship, you know, when you're talking on the phone, you, you really have to build a friendship. You have to build a way in which you can communicate about your day, communicate about what you are struggling with or what you want the other person to know about you. And sometimes in that face-to-face, now listen, I would have given up those phone calls for the face-to-face, but sometimes you can forget to build that really crucial part of a relationship, Mm -hmm. which is the friendship. Mm -hmm. And we just had that. That's all we had. That was our only option. Developed because that's all we were able to to do. It's hard to make out over the phone. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so we got married when we were 23, and now we've been married 23 years. Wow. So that that's a- just for the people that are good at math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's our love story. Yep. Okay, and then pretty much after that, you both uh, – let's just fast forward. You both are in ministry together. Yeah, you church both- work. Yep, we both co-pastor a church together mm-hmm. in Chicago. That's yeah. right. And have you always worked somewhat together, and or is this your first endeavor, like truly working together? Yeah, well, that's a great. Question. That's a great question. We have had waves of being side by side on the same team, uh, working together, and then waves where we totally were not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were in different careers and we were, you know, one of us was traveling and the other was not. And so we've had to navigate both. We've mm-hmm. had to figure out what it's like to actually work with your partner, you know, nine to five, and then the rest of your life with that same person. And then we've had the exact opposite where mm-hmm. our work was separate and we had to figure out how does that all come together and so yeah this unique season the last 10 this years the, the most and longest we've worked yeah together. uh do you like it better like do you see, or do you just see positives and negatives in both um, or is there one you prefer i would say yes and i would say but it that doesn't mean it doesn't come with its challenges which i'm sure mm-hmm. we're going to talk about but yeah i really you know we'll probably get into this but genie's we both had a sabbatical this summer, but we staggered them. So I, you know, I was gone a month and then we shared two months together. And then I've been back at work while she's been off this last month. And I would say I I've missed, I've missed Jeannie as my partner in multiple ways. Like I miss her at work. It's not the same. So I think I've just become so we've just become, this has just become our way for this season Mm -hmm. that I really, it's hard to do it without her. You know, it's, I, I miss her in so many levels. And then just when she would be just traveling, I just, found myself like physically just missing her more than ever. So I think we've just become so accustomed to this working together. We've done so much work to make working together work that, yeah, I don't know if I'd say better or worse. I just think it's, this just makes sense to us now. 
and we found our ways to sort of navigate through it. Yeah, and I would say that both uh, times when we've been partnered and working side by side and seasons where we were not, both had a lot to teach us. And uh, we had to develop ways that we were going to continue to create our unique marriage, yeah. not just our partnership in our job. Yeah. And one of the challenges, I think, with being partners in work and partners in marriage and partners in parenting is that sometimes the boundaries can get really fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. And so we can find ourselves 10 o'clock at night mm -hmm. still talking about our job that happened earlier that day. And mm -hmm. then we right into parenting and then we right into marriage. And, you know, and so we have to really pay attention to what are the healthy boundaries that are going to build all of these distinct mm -hmm. parts of our relationship. Hmm. and pay attention to it. And, you know, just last night, it was funny, Jarrett said to me, we were chatting after he got home from work and he's like, it was a really long day. I'm really tired. Really day, yeah. And I don't think I have much in me to talk about work. Are you cool if we draw a boundary right hmm. now to not talk about that? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And we changed the conversation. And I know that in our relationship that he will take responsibility to come back around and say, I, I want to talk about that now, or that I can, can talk about it at work. Yeah. Or I can invite <laughs> a question later, like, Hey, how are you doing? Would you like to talk about that again? So we just have learned that respecting those boundaries and creating those boundaries has been really helpful for us. Hmm. So how do you get there? Like, how did you guys find those boundaries? What advice do you give to other people that are trying to figure that tension out that, I mean, it literally hits them every day, every day, yeah. every day. I would say we discover them through making yeah. a whole lot yeah. of mistakes. Cr crashing, up, <laughs> crashing up into them, uh, bulldozing over them. Yeah. And paying attention to the dissatisfaction or paying mm -hmm. attention to, gosh, what we're experiencing right now in this restriction in our relationship is not what we want. How did we get here? And just kind of looking at the path that put us in whatever challenging conversation we're navigating and saying, okay, I think this is what put us in this spot. <laughs> we had poor boundaries. We said yes to way too many things. We have not been exercising our no muscle. Uh, we've been believing that our family can run at mm -hmm. mock speed and we have kids and they cannot. Um, mm -hmm. We've blown past, you know, some of our uh, resource of time that's in the bank and now we're on withdrawal, right? Wh whatever it might be for us to pay attention to and go, we've been valuing things that are not our true values. Hmm. And so how do we get back to center? How do we get back to those things that we have said are the values of our marriage and are hmm. the things that we're committed to? Yeah, hmm. and I would just add when we when we started our family, like when we invited kids into our family, that that helped significantly, at least on the awareness level of like, oh, we can't keep running like we ran the, the first nine years. You know, we started, a, we had kids to our family nine years into our marriage. And, um, you know, that was a real kind of wake up call. Like, like Jeannie just said, like, oh, these little humans, they're not meant to they work. They can't and run maybe, like that. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe we shouldn't either. Maybe we don't need yeah. to eat. So that has been, they have been such a great teacher to us 
just in their existence to to go, wait a second, Jeannie's right. We have a higher value here than just getting more done or just more productivity. So, All right. I have a follow-up question to this. I want to go a little bit deeper. And I want you guys to share, if you would, um, a, like, like a turning point where something happened in the midst of this conversation where you're like, man, this, this situation happened and it made us change a trajectory. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. A couple. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure which one you thought of. I thought of one right away. And I think it's about seven years into our marriage. And I, I don't even remember what had caused or created the distance, but I think both of us were feeling a distance with one another. Nothing um, astronomical. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, a red zone, but I mean, we were definitely drifting and, and getting a whole lot of things done in the world and creating beautiful stuff. But what we were creating with one another was not vibrantly beautiful. And we were giving everyone else our goods instead of giving each other the best of who we are. And I remember one night we just got into a conversation about our marriage. And honestly, I think it was because we had like gone on a vacation or we had pulled away, you know, and stopped our productivity for a little bit. And I remember Jarrett saying to me, Hey, do you remember like when we got married seven years ago and we stood in front of all of our friends and our family and, you know, all the songs were sung and we were you know, saying our vows to each other. I don't remember the point. And, and maybe I just forgot it. When I said to you, I take you, Jeannie, to be my life coach. And I was like, <laughs> what? Wow. I was like, uh, what do you mean? And he's like, I feel like our relationship has turned into a life coaching relationship. Project. And like a, another project. Is that what you project, mean? Yeah. yeah. Like another, and another thing to do. Yeah. To, or like a check off the list type of, or what do you mean by that? Yeah, I, I, think, I think some of it was my unique. Yeah. So when it comes to the Enneagram, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. Yeah. And so I, I could try to coach like a cat to be better. I, I, love, I love. Yeah. Okay. I, I see what I you're saying. Am showing up in the world regularly to make things better. Right. I got and you. so yeah. I look at all people, all possibilities, all things as how can it get better? And so in my relationship with Jarrett, he just felt like I was only looking at him and seeing him through the lens of, Oh, try this, do this make this better. Let's do that better. And he was like, wait a minute. I wanted a wife, not a life coach. Like Mm. I I wanted a partner in this life, not somebody to coach me through this life. Now that doesn't mean that we don't sharpen one another. We don't offer one another feedback. That's a huge part of our relationship, but it was a huge wake up call in our Mm. relationship to go. Yeah. I didn't marry a business partner that Mm. I'm hoping just gets more productive in this lifetime. Right. I married my best friend, my lover, the the person that I want to share every ounce of intimacy with. Hmm. And if I'm going to tr- coaching and intimacy don't really go hand in no, hand. No. <laughs> and, so, um, so what did you do with that? I mean, he said something very profound, right? Yeah. It was good. It was hard to hear. But I would say. But you say, never did it again for the rest of our marriage. 
<laughs> and they lived happily ever after. I was healed. That was it. I think that was the last time that it ever happened. <laughs> he gave me the gift of awareness. And, and I knew he was right. Mm-hmm. I, I knew, I mean, whenever somebody offers us a gift of feedback and we can feel that that feedback is accurate, that feedback is touching something inside of us that maybe we hoped could stay hidden. <laughs> I knew that he was touching something and I knew that it was true. And so it was a gift. And I just, I believe in that moment, I, I chose vulnerability. Lots of times I'll power through and get defensive and, you know, try and throw something back and blame, you know, well, yeah. I wouldn't have to coach if you were X, Y, and Z. Right. Yeah. And in that moment, I really felt like this is, this is a gift and mm. I want to grow in this area of our relationship. I want to grow in how I show up in our marriage and will you forgive me? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a, a work that I've had to commit myself, you know, and one of the ways that I work at it, I mean, just this last year, we talked about how I'm so prone to statements instead of questions. And so I'll just offer a fast statement and it usually has some judgment in it or some coaching in it. I and hear so that eight. Every, I hear that eight. Do you hear that eight? <laughs> every time. I really like, I really like kind of your approach. I honestly. love Jeff. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. My, it makes sense my to you. fellow eight. It makes sense <laughs> but I just, every time I feel it coming on, I'm like, whoa, 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 Jeannie, can get you, curious. can you get curious here? Mm-hmm. Can you turn this judgment? Can you turn this statement? Can you turn this coaching into curiosity? Mm. And I will tell you, boy, has it changed. It has been a turning point in mm. our relationship. And it's a continual work, right? Because Jarrett, I think all turning points yeah. lends us down a new path. Yeah. Mm. Jarrett, was yours that same moment or did you have another, no, a different no, one? No, no, no. Mine wasn't a moment per se, but a pattern that has, that I think was sort of baked into our wiring um, that just can, has continued to show up in our marriage. So not a moment per se, but lots of little moments of vulnerability for Jeannie to when she has shared with me, hey, I, I feel alone in this particular area. A couple areas in our marriage, finances are one of them, you know, where she's like, where are you in this? I feel like you've just, you know, abdicated the responsibility of this to me. And I don't ever remember us having that agreement that this was something that I would do. And, you know, language that's been really helpful for us is, you know, Jeannie say, hey, I am prone to taking more than my fair share of 100% responsibility. Like I am Mm -hmm. prone to taking more than 100% responsibility, which she just shared. Like, I'm not only going to take responsibility for me, but I'm going to take responsibility for you and tell you how to do it and how to do it. (laughs) And I show up in the world. There's a part of me that shows up in the world that takes less than hundred percent responsibility. Cause I just, you know, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. And so I'm like, ah, don't worry about it. It'll work out. It'll all be fine. Don't worry about it. And so there are some patterns in our marriage where, you know, Jeannie's like, yeah, I'll own my part of taking more than hundred percent responsibility, but I really need you to show up and take your responsibility, your hundred percent responsibility. How can we get a partnership in this versus just this, unspoken agreement that somehow somewhere we made that you'll do these things and I don't ever have to think about them and mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about it or get involved. And sometimes what support is, is just me showing up and saying, Hey, let's, can we sit down and do this together? Or 
how can I come, how can I help? Is there a part of this that I can take? Cause there are things that she's better at and things that I'm better at. And that's great. We should do the things that we're better at. But when it's this unspoken assumption that, mm. oh, she'll take care of it. It'll be fine. She'll schedule the doctor's appointments. I don't have to worry about it. Mm. Totally different than, Hey, can you take responsibility to schedule these appointments or I'll take responsibility to do this. Just that I know it sounds kind of technical and doesn't sound very sexy, but oh man, it, it, mm-hmm. when we get in, when we get that part right, it just feels so much more easeful in our relationship because things are just clear and it's not me assuming she'll take care of it and her assuming she, that she has to. Yeah. I think we realized that any unspoken expectation turns into eventual resentment. resentment. Yeah. The bitterness. Yeah. And that resentment and bitterness, boy, that is not helpful. Mm-hmm. in marriage. It, it's never helpful. And so, you know, going on to that responsibility thing, one of the things that we've just done in our marriage is we do a thing called clean agreements. And it may sound silly, but we set clean agreements so that we don't have unspoken expectations. What, is that, our, what does that mean? A clean yeah, agreement? Yeah. A clean agreement is who, who will, do will do what by when. when. And so we literally say like, Jarrett will schedule the orthodontist appointment by Friday. And so it, it leaves no room for unspoken expectations to turn into eventual resentment. Yeah. I mean like classic us not getting it right is we're recording this in our house right now and there's a light out in the entryway. And like two weeks ago, Jeannie's like, Hey, do you mind? Cause I do kind of all the stuff around the house, that kind of stuff. Hey, can you get that light bulb? And my answer was, Oh yeah, 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 totally. I'll get it. Well, that's who and what was still kind of iffy yeah. and when was completely unclear. And it was a dirty agreement. And it's still dirty. And that light is still out right now. Right so is this, me. so are these clean agreements like once a week sit downs that you have like a meeting together or is this just like a fly by your pants day by day thing? Well, sometimes it's sometimes that. It's that. We try to do a weekly a date night. And then we do on Thursday nights and then Friday mornings, we do a, what we call Stevens Inc meeting. And our last name is Stevens. We call ourselves team Stevens. And so we have team Stevens Inc meeting on Friday mornings. And that's where we go through our finances or we go through our calendar. calendar. We go through planning of vacations or, Oh, this thing happened this week. I forgot to tell you about this or, you know, just like Mm -hmm. cleaning up anything that isn't in a yeah. sense of knowing. Yeah. Um, but then there's life, right? Yeah, you know, I mean, so sometimes but... it happens at like Wednesday night at 10 o'clock and you wake up and you're like, I oh forgot gosh. to tell you this, yeah, right. you know? And so right. we just try to do a really good job of keeping our agreements with one another clean instead of dirty, because we've realized that when they're dirty, oh, just... they just turn into all kinds of gunk. Yeah, that's good. Talk to us about starting something from nothing. We have a lot of listeners who are, you know, uh, entrepreneurs, starting new projects, working on things either on their own with each other, both, but just in the hustle and the grind of all that. How was it for both of you working together and with all the stress of starting something new? Yeah. 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 We, the, so our church, Soul City Church, is here right here in uh, downtown Chicago. We got the vision for it the you know, in Atlanta, um, and 
it was, I would say in the beginning when it was just an idea and a vision and dream, it was incredibly exhilarating and incredibly exciting and so fun to be able to do together. And then, and then, <laughs> and then we actually had to do it. So like, yeah, it was way more fun when it was just a website, <laughs> you know, a blog, and all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, then it was like, wait, how are we actually going to do this? And it's just us right now. Like it's right now, it's just us in our kitchen trying to create this, not only just a thing, but a spiritual community. I mean, it's, it just has different dynamics. You, know, you not only have to start a business, has to keep it in, but it's also a spiritual community. How do we do that? Something we've never done before by it's, you know, starting something completely from scratch and how do we do it together? So I would say very, very, very exhilarating in the beginning. Um, and also then very quickly became so exhausting and consuming mm-hmm. for us because we, you just don't know until you start something, what it's going to take of you to do it. And then you, there, it still takes more. I would say that what is so fun about a startup is that you swing quickly on the pendulum of exhilaration to exhaustion. And there were times in our starting of Soul City that we worked way beyond what was uh, probably a healthy rhythm, you know, 80 to 100 hours to get this embryo to be birthed. And, and we uh, were doing that with little kids. With yeah. Children. Our Elijah kids were and two and four. Were not, not even at the beginning. They were, yeah. Mm. Just born. So, I mean, yeah, it was a lot. And getting something out into the world, it takes energy. And so there is that reality that you're going to have to probably pour more into a startup than you are going to pour into perhaps the sustainable years of, of keeping an organization or a business or a nonprofit, whatever, running, right? It's a Mm -hmm. different energy that you're going to need to pour in. And so we just had to always navigate those moments when perhaps exhaustion was pounding at our door or when, you know, we had just overworked or, or whatever. And, and it was a dance, you know, I don't know if I really believe in balance. I just think Mm -hmm. that work-life balance. yeah, Yeah. I think that what I believe in is rhythm and So there were different seasons, you know, where we would have to say, okay, what is the rhythm going to look like in this season? And sometimes it didn't always completely balance out. And so we would have to go back and say, okay, we're going to run hard here. And then we're going to pour an, you know, exponential amount of rest at the end of this run. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was a lot of learning, it was a, a lot, lot of mistakes, learning, a lot of doing it the wrong uh, way, the wrong way. <laughs> and then going, okay, let's, let's try that differently. Cause clearly that didn't work. Yeah. And I would say we not, <laughs> we added to the complexity by doing it together, mm-hmm. you know, as co-equals and co-pastors. And, um, so there's a lot of different ways to start things. Um, but you know, when you start something with your partner or with your spouse, it just, it, you know, is awesome in one sense, because you are just so in and so aligned on this thing bigger than you. And like I said, that's the exhilarating part, you know, and then it's equally exhausting because it can become all consuming and it's all you talk about. and It's all you do. And it's so Jeannie's exactly right. We didn't set out going, okay, well, we'll just work on this from, you know, this time to this time. It just was all over the place, especially in the beginning. And so then we would reassess after, you know, a push or a a good run and go, okay, what do we need to do differently this time? How do we need to disproportionately pull back or rest? But again, I, you know, I can look back on it now and romanticize it like, oh yes, we learned all those things. <laughs> we just, we just learned them the hard way. Mm. And, um, and, and even had hit a crash about four years into the church where 
our board had to step in and say, guys, this is utterly unsustainable. You're no good to us if you continue down this path. And so they really forced us into a better rhythm of work and of rest and taking uh, time off, significant time off in the yeah. summer to pull away as a family, pull away individually. Because um, the goal is to do this for the long haul. We want to we want to be healthy and give our best to God and to the world for the long haul. But we were not going to be able to do it at the rate at which we were still running. We were still running on startup speed, and we were four years in as an organization, and that just wasn't what was best for us or the organization. And there were some important things along the way that we just forgot to do maintenance on. You know, it's like when the check engine light pops up on the car, right? It's like, oh well, maybe I should have been changing the oil all along. And so we just have learned that we want to build a marriage where the check engine light doesn't pop on. And if for or some it reason does, it yeah, does, that we pay attention and mm. we go, okay, something got us here that has not been helpful. And so we need to make some shifts so that this light does not keep turning on. That's good. Um, I know that you are very much into certain um, – I, I, you know, knowing you now more so than earlier is um, you're very into certain spiritual practices and those rhythms kind of that you're talking about. What do you feel um, has been the most valuable for both your marriage and work in that kind of sustainability effort? Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, some of these are practices you know, like any, you can make them spiritual. Some of them came out of spiritual traditions, but I would say probably the two that came to my mind the most was us doing our own work has been probably the most important thing that we've done. And knowing the difference between my work, her work and our work, I'm talking about soul work. I'm talking about, you know, the sort of the deeper interior life stuff. Um, you know, if, if I'm unwilling to do my work, it's going to affect our work in the world. And so I, for us to practice from way before we started this church, you know, this is going back 20 years in a marriage or more is counseling therapy. Mm -hmm. So for the longest time that we had her counselor, I had my counselor. And then we had an interesting patch when we moved down there where you guys are at when we moved down to Atlanta and we were in a different kind of season and a different culture and some things, some engine lights as Jeannie just mentioned a bit ago were starting to pop up so we got a we found an amazing counselor to do that with just us a therapist that works as a couples counselor and so that is huge having for us a spiritual director like that work that you know no one necessarily sees it's all behind the scenes but it it comes out in the mix it comes out in the wash like it it hopefully makes everything better by doing that work and again me doing my work her doing her work, me not assuming that her work is my work or vice versa, and then us doing our work. Um, that to me, that that consistency of, and it's looked different, spiritual directors, it's been group work, it's been couples work, like it's been different in all kinds of different seasons, but that has been vital to um, my soul. I mean, beyond anything I offer to the world, to my soul and what I offer to my wife and to our kids. And then the other thing would be rest. I think that's the one that we've learned the hard way. And then we've just come to cherish and to love is to really be intentional and to fight for rest. And to, you know, the practice that comes out of our tradition is Sabbath, you know, to really have a, a Sabbath and that Saturday for us where it really is 
low to no tech, you know, low to no chores. It's just chill and family and things that bring us delight and people that bring us delight and food that brings us delight and just truly resting. I think that was one that we just blew past. I'll, I'll just take, speak for myself. I blew past for years. Like, oh, I don't need it. Oh, you know, rest when I'm dead, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, I don't know how, I don't know how to keep going without this regular, like I forward to my Friday and my Saturday to just slow the RPMs down, to be present to God, to be present to myself, to be present to Jeannie and our kids. And then I can work out of that. Like, cool. I can do another five day run, you know, even if it's a crazy one, like this last week was, because I know what's coming. So those two things, doing the work and then making rest a priority. Yeah. I would say the two practices that have probably been, I agree with those that Jared just mentioned, uh, the Enneagram, uh, we love the Enneagram and I know that it is having quite a moment, moment, Mm -hmm. uh, but we've been Enneagram for almost 15 years now. Um, and so we knew the Enneagram before the Enneagram was popular (laughs) back when it was an indie band. And, uh, we, we just really appreciate it. We find it as a tool for transformation. Uh, it's not a boxing or defining, uh, mechanism. It's a tool for growth and change. And so we Mm -hmm. use the Enneagram a lot to be able to really see See one another, another. you know, and to say, okay, to know me is to know this as an Enneagram eight, here's what's happening. Or for Jarrett to say, to know me is to know this as an Enneagram seven, here's what's happening. So the Enneagram is one. And then another one in our spiritual work is prayer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it just is really hard to pray with somebody that you're seeing as your enemy. And so whenever, you know, we get into, uh, challenging moments in our relationship, which happen all the time, um, and there is a conflict or there's something that we need to work through. Uh, we try as we work through that at the end to seal it in some way of praying for each other. And it it is a healing Mm -hmm. balm to -hmm. what has just been broken, um, and it's a restorer of intimacy. Mm-hmm. And uh, because to me, intimacy is just this unseen spiritual uh, ability in a relationship that's built on trust and vulnerability and selfless sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Like, it, and, and when you build that through prayer, it's one of the most intimate things that I think a couple can do. Yeah. And whether they have a spiritual practice of prayer, it could be done in meditation. Um, it's just a way to be connected to one another. Um, you know, intimacy is into me. See, right. I want you to Mm. see me. I want you to know me. I want you to understand me and I want to understand you. I want to see into you. And so those two practices have been huge in our marriage. Mm. Now, I know you guys work with a lot of, I mean, your community is filled with tons of 20-somethings. Um, there's 30-something. There's all different ages, but I know there's a, a lot of 20-somethings. Predominantly, yeah, predominantly people in their late 20s. Late 20s, okay. So, I mean, I'm curious, as as you have been interacting and advising um, 20-somethings in relationships, and it's probably a lot of people desiring to get married, potentially maybe waiting, maybe not wanting to get married because of past storylines, um, or their young marrieds. What are you seeing? Um, 
in those lives and, and what advice are you giving those people today? Especially if we have listeners that are in that space, what, what advice would you give to them about relationships and what you're seeing today? Yeah. One thing that instantly popped into my mind is that, you know, we got married pretty young. We were 23. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm seeing that people are waiting a lot longer to get married. And, uh, one of the realities to that is they get pretty established and set in patterns. And one of the things that we try to offer as, uh, counsel advice support is that in a partnership, a win for you is a win for us. Often, uh, we find that some of the conflicts and the challenges that show up in relationships is because, uh, it is really built on, I want to win. Yeah. No, you want to win. No, I want to win. We can't both win. Yeah. And so like that, uh, me before we, yeah. know, it's like when I put me before we, we both lose. Yeah. So we really try to help people understand that a partnership is not a competition. It really is coming together. And when we win, I win, yeah. you know, like and the same team mentality, essentially. Yes. Totally. Yes. Yeah, right. And that's, you, that, that can be anyone, mm -hmm. but especially if you're getting married later, like Jeannie said, you can get so kind of stuck in it being your way that that partnership can be a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah. 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 yeah and I would say one of the big things too, that, um, has we we loved to see grow out of this church that we started was the um, the deep level of relationships that couples form with each other and how significant they are, especially in your twenties and thirties when some of life's kind of biggest, typically some of life's biggest questions and transitions and decisions are all being made. And you know, it's like it's this um, this sad sort of blessing when we see folks who've moved on from our church, you know, for whatever reason, because, you know, of a job or because they just want to go where there's no such thing as winter or whatever. <laughs> it may be. And yet they're, they're, they're still deeply connected to the friendships that they formed as a couple or as they were becoming a couple from our church. And so it's like, we're so sad to see them go, but yet so proud that the, the, they got that value of how much we need others yeah. to help us. And, you know, we're going to, right when we're done talking with you guys here, going to go meet with a couple who is met at our church and we're part of starting our church. And they would say their closest friends live across the country now, but they were built while they were at our church for the couple of years that they were at our church. Hmm. And that, that, like, we can't state that enough, like plant your roots, plant your roots, hmm. stay as long as possible in a community invite others in because these are relationships that matter more than you know and may carry you through more than you can see or imagine in the future. And so, you know, I, I, we don't even have to necessarily teach that. People are just sort of innately doing that through yeah. our church. And I'm so glad that they're finding lifelong friends through however long of a season they're a part of our church. Yeah. And, you know, because we have so many uh, young professionals and uh couples that meet and then eventually get married. We have a pretty thriving ministry at our church for premarital. And so one of the things that we offer in that uh, experience mm -hmm. is every couple gets a mentor couple. And mm -hmm. this was something that we were gifted with when, or I suppose we sought it out, but we That's found a, a mentor couple when we were dating and then got engaged. And 
Do you know what's amazing? They still, 23 years of marriage, they have never forgotten our anniversary. They send us a card every year. Check in on us. Well, yeah. It's they're, awesome. they're in their 80s. They're amazing. Yeah. They love our kids. Yeah, our kids they, love they're just incredible. And so one of the things we wanted to gift our people in our community is the gift of a mentor couple. Mm -hmm. And so every couple that goes through this course and, you know, gets married through our church gets a mentor couple. And what does that that mean for your community? Like, I mean, I think most people listening going, man, that sounds great. I don't, first of all, I don't even understand what that is, but also I wish I had it, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, to, for anyone who signs up to do this course that we teach to help prepare you, not just for your wedding, but for your marriage, um, they're instantly partnered with an older couple that's a part of our church. And so, you know, half of the sessions are together and teaching and going through workbooks and that kind of stuff. And then the other half is dinner with this couple for, I think it goes for like Mm -hmm. eight, eight weeks, 12 weeks. And, um, and these are, couples that are along, you know, further down the road in their marriage. And we found that they would say, these are some of the best folks in our entire church, the mentor couples. And they would say, this is the highlight of their week and of their life is being able to pour into, to hear, to hold space for young couples. And again, similar to the friendships that I was talking about a minute ago, Jeannie's right. Lots of these folks stay connected to their mentor couples long after they leave our church, because that is such a important relationship, you know, to have someone care about your partnership, care about you, care about your family and offer wisdom when asked for and offer support. That's just, that's hard to come by. And so we just think, you know, we want to give as much support as possible. So that's one of the things that we offer any couple who goes through this course. And we are, you know, 23 years into our marriage and we, we, we still, still we seek out several that we mentor couples in our life that, you yeah. know, can help us through parenting seasons or help us through moments that, you know, we're facing in our marriage that are challenging or in running a business together or whatever it is. You know, I think it was our, one of our mentor couples that said (laughs) one of the most defining things ever said to us in our marriage, we were having dinner with them and we were sharing with them about uh, a season of really running hard hard and strong and the the guy just said, you know, it seems as though in your marriage you have really valued productivity over intimacy. Hmm. And it was like I a mean, drop the mic moment for us because we were like, oh, that's it. Yeah, you're right. He got it. You and yes. And you know, it could have been like a knife going in, but I felt like it was just was an a, awesome yeah, scalpel opening up. something. Yeah in our marriage to say, I don't want to get to the end of this life saying, boy, were they ever productive? Like, What a sad story to tell about Mm. our marriage. I want to get to the end of this life and say, they loved each other deeply. And so inviting mentors in is such an important gift. And I think some of us think it needs to be like, a guru or yeah, a genius or whatever. Just magical. look at somebody that's gone a few like. years before you and you want to be like in one way, shape or another and go, can, can I have dinner with you? And can I pay? Like, mm-hmm. I, I want to learn from you and I want to understand what you've done, the good and the mistakes yeah. and to help me. 
final question for the two of you. We want you, we want you to each, each answer separately uh, because sometimes, sometimes people disagree. But I want to know, we want to know, is it possible for both of you to be living out your purpose, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? Yes. I mean, I, we're, we're kind of banking on that. Hmm. that and that those things aren't um, mutually exclusive, you know, that those things aren't in competition with each other, that they, re- they require different things. And they require more of us in some seasons or rhythms like Jeannie was talking about earlier than others, but that it's all part of this, this rich and full and meaningful life that I actually want to give myself to. And according to our faith tradition, that's actually made available to us, you know, this life to the fullest that I think those are all vital to that and, and totally um, connected in my opinion. Yeah, I, I would give a resounding yes. And my star would be this. It requires work. Work, hmm. absolutely. To just live out your purpose requires work. To stay in love, <laughs> you know, it's easy to fall in love. It takes work wow. to stay in love. Mm-hmm. Uh, that requires work. And to raise a healthy family takes work. And so, yes, yes, yes to all those things if you're willing to do the work. Mm. And a lot of people want those things. Very few are willing to do it. And so I am banking on (laughs) trying to be willing to do those things and giving myself over to the work that goes into it. But yes, it is. I believe it's possible to live on purpose, stay in love, and raise a healthy family. I have Not one, a perfect one, no. but hopefully healthy. Can yeah. I ask one follow-up question on this? Because yeah. Um, yeah, your show. you guys, it's your show. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask a follow-up question. On this. Ask it. Uh, you guys see each other do what you're made to do every day, right? Mm-hmm. I'm curious, yeah. like at what point did you love watching the other mm-hmm. person do it? Yeah. Yeah. I can answer that real quickly. I was away this last week traveling and Jarrett had a meeting and he has a a book that comes out in January and he was meeting, I think with your editor or your marketing team. team. I don't know who it was with. And it was the first time that he got the advanced reader copy and he FaceTimed me and held it up. And I looked at his face and there was so much joy and excitement and hopefulness. And I felt equal joy, hope, and excitement. Mm. And so it just was so cool for me to be like, yes, your win is our win. Like Mm. (laughs) you're living on purpose. It bleeds into me living on purpose. It doesn't mean that I don't have to do my own work, but I get to get the overflow of that in his life. And I'm so grateful. So I feel like I'm better when Jarrett's on purpose, that our family's better when he's on purpose. So to me, it's like the cup is overflowing when we're both living in the flow of purpose. Yeah. Mm. And I I would add, I mean, there's lots that I could talk about, you know, even just this last week, Jeannie taught to, I don't know, 40,000 people watching around the world, like this epic, massive thing. And our whole staff gathered in in my office to watch. And I'm just, you know, crying my whole way through it. Cause I'm just so proud of her and I'm so proud to be partnered with her. And so I could go on and on and on and on about those kinds of things. And they're real. You know, mm. I, one of the things I love is when at home, when I see Jeannie lavish, she knows our kids love languages and to lavish them 
intentionally with love. I don't know if I know a more thoughtful and intentional person than Jeannie. I, I just like, I've mm. told her this a thousand times, like anyone who has the privilege to call you friend is blessed. And so for our kids to get, you know, sort of the double portion of that thoughtfulness and intentionality in birthdays and in Christmas. And like, I just, that to me is like, oh, this is the, I want to be with, I can't believe I get to. And I want to be with a person like this who just lavishes love. And so when I see Jeannie do that, when no one else does, when it's not on the stage, you know, when it's not on Instagram, when it's not whatever, that mm. to me is like, oh, I'm so lucky. I'm so lucky to be connected to someone that offers this, that I get to be a recipient of it and I get to learn from it and be better at it myself. So those are the things that I often think of. Y'all are making me tear up over here. (laughs) (laughs) That's the drugs. So sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly, possibly. And now it's time for the breakdown. Yes, I have pages and pages of notes, so I feel like this could go on for a long time, but... I really like, they say things so concise and perfect. I mean, you know that they're pastors. Right. They've thought through this and how to teach people. Yes. Which helps. So it helps. It's amazing. But um, there was a point where she said about learning to exercise our no muscle. Like just these little things that I'm like, the no muscle. Yes, we need to have the no muscle and we need to exercise it, you know, um, and determining our rhythms and patterns in life. So I just love like just little things that you can pick up like that, that she, that they shared. What'd you like? That's funny. I didn't actually write that. I didn't remember that part. So I must've been caught by something else she said. There was so many things I wrote down. Intimacy, into me, see. I had never heard that before. Yeah, just like Really desiring somebody to know you fully. Yeah, I internally. Yeah, I thought that was a great way to look at that word. I really also like when they talked about just paying attention to the dissatisfaction um, and how if you can pay attention to that, it can bring an awareness um, to your marriage and then to your partnership. And also like if there's boundaries that have been crossed that you need to readdress, you yeah. know, that dissatisfaction or little root of not think, being happy about something. Yeah, to, I think they said another another quote related to that. I think that was a setup for another quote was unspoken expectation turns into resentment. Yes. And that yeah. was like, wow, that was that was really good. And the follow up to that was creating these clean agreements, which Man, who I... Who will do what by when? Yes, who will do what by when? We actually, when we do that, which I don't think we... Well, first of all, we've never stated it like that, but now Maybe I will. Maybe we should say From that. now on. But Maybe when, you should state it like that. <laughs> but now, <laughs> I mean, that is honestly, when we do it like that, it's been the most productive, totally. easy way for yeah. something to get done. Something you know? gets done. I committed to it. It's a deadline. I'm going to do it. You're going to do it. What, how are we going to do it? All those things. It was, uh, that was, wow. If people just took that away from the interview alone, I'm sure that if you're listening to this, talk to your partner about that. And that could be a very things practical will thing change. you can use Things right will now. change. Yes. Um, I also thought it was interesting how, I mean, you can hear in their work that they get things done. They are doers, they are productive, they work Mm. hard and how, 
you know, even just having a mentor tell them, oh, wow, so it sounds like you guys value productivity over intimacy. Yeah, that's so easy to do, especially when we have kids. I mean... The checklist. Yeah, there becomes a lot of things that you just have to do. You're like running kids there and running kids there, and we're dividing and conquering and all the things that have to get done for the house and for the car and for the this and for that. And next thing you know, like it's just managing calendars. Yes. And that's... Or you're just like roommates. Yeah, I think that too often happens in couples. And then ultimately what ends up getting where we get to is... When the kids leave the house and you're empty nesters, that's when it hits. When you start realizing, oh, am I in love with you anymore? Mm. Or were we just doing life because of these other kids in our house? Mm. And man, that's a really, really good question to ask yourself today. A good gut check. Yeah, it is. Um, man, this is, we could we could keep going and going. I... I am very thankful they shared all that they did with us today. They were very vulnerable. I liked it. Yeah. And uh, we hope it was encouragement to you. Andre, I hope you start feeling better. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I'm good. And that's another episode (laughs) of Love of Work. We will talk to you (laughs) next week. This episode was produced by DJ Obdiggy for Soul Graffiti Productions.